Welcome to Enterprising Mindsets, a podcast series exploring what an enterprising mindset is and how it can help us to live, learn and ultimately lead in the future. Hello, I'm Sharon Davis, Chief Executive of Young Enterprise, a national financial and enterprise education charity. You can get your latest episodes straight to your device via subscribing through your usual podcast services. I'm really excited to introduce you to today's guest, Lorraine Chimga. Lorraine originally graduated from UCL Laws in 2016, and following this, she worked within the financial technology sector, coding regulations, followed by working in legal tech training, artificial intelligence. Next year, she'll be starting her tech training contract, Ignite, at Clifford Chance. In her spare time, though, Lorraine creates content to help aspiring lawyers to put their best foot forward through, amongst other things, the now famous Life of a London Law Student blog. Hi, Lorraine. Hello. Thank you for having me, Sharon. It's great to interview you today. So tell us a little bit about your journey and and, and really what point did you set out to be a lawyer? I was originally born in Zimbabwe and I moved to Manchester when I was 10 years old and that's where I ended up going to primary school and high school. Obviously being the first generation in my family to go through the system, it was all new and I hadn't even thought about university at that point. But I do remember in year 10 reading a book that inspired me basically um, of the woman who became the first recorder, black female recorder uh, in England and her story of how she went through and got there and that inspired me to kind of look into this profession called law and look into it a bit more so that's how I ended up having that dream uh, in year 10 so I think I would have been 15 or something like that and so as I went through high school and college I made sure to pick subjects that aligned with that as I heard more about what topics you need to get into law school along the way as well during my college time, I had a very encouraging teacher who pushed me to enter things such as public speaking competitions and apply to Oxford, which was something I would have never have thought to do. And so that really instilled me with the confidence that I could do this and go through the law degree. And really, that's how I ended up at UCL studying law. And again, this was something that I was passionate about because when I saw it, law was the only subject that brought together economics, history, sociology, and my interest in the world and that's why I ended up picking that subject. And so tell us a little bit about the life of the London Law Student blog. How did that start? As many people who probably follow my blog, my Instagram blog will know, my first and second year at law school was interesting to say the least. Um, That's one word for it. Like I said at the beginning, I was the first generation in my family to really go through the system in England in terms of education. So, you know, there's not really anyone telling you that this is what you do to become a lawyer. So I wasn't even thinking about the career at that point. And in terms of the academic side, I was quite naive coming into it because previously I didn't really have to try before. And I thought it would be the same, but really law school is another ball game, especially when you're surrounded by other smart people. And you suddenly hit with how average you are. Of course you're not, but you know, in that environment, it was very easy to kind of lose the confidence. So I remember in my first and second year, my grades were like I say, interesting. And the reason why this is important is because as soon as you hit the ground running, you're introduced into this wonderful, shiny world of commercial law. And you soon learn that to get into commercial law, you need perfect grades and perfect experience uh, to get what's called a vacation scheme, which leads to a training contract, which is basically what you need to be to be sponsored and qualified as a lawyer in the UK, as a solicitor that is. 
So of course, with bad grades or air quotes, I say bad grades I, <laughs> uh, because I don't like using the word bad grades because I don't think there's such a thing almost in this day and age. But um, I realized that I needed to differentiate myself somehow. Also, it was twofold or threefold rather. I wanted to get back to something that I loved doing, which was writing. Secondly, I didn't see any other young black woman going through the law in the same way that I was at the time. So I decided to start my blog to chart my journey and experience in the hopes that maybe one day, if another young black woman was looking around for inspiration or not to feel alone in that space, they would see my blog and read my story, my journey, and hopefully that would encourage and motivate too. And how many followers or how many followers have you got right now? So, yeah, I think last year I hit over 40,000 visitors um, on the blog. Amazing. Which is, uh, I would never have dreamt that really when I started the blog in 2014. And it's just grown grown year and year. Um, And obviously some months are higher than others, especially revision time or when people are doing applications. It's around maybe like 5,000 visitors will come on the blog per month. This is in conjunction, of course, with my Instagram page where I've got about almost... 4,000 followers, or aiming for that anyways, who tune in and listen to my advice as well. So there's a real appetite for the content that you're providing. Definitely. I think, you know, a law is such a difficult subject matter to understand, first of all, but also a hard career to get into. And there's still a long way to go in terms of diversifying that access to information and kind of the inside hacks. And I put that in air quotes. So, you know, I like I said, through my own journey, learned the hard way. And the reason why I do what I do is just to hopefully make it easier for those who are coming after me and to also show that the resilience resilience and mindset that is required to get there in the end, because it is tough. You mentioned mindsets there. As a young black woman in the legal industry, are there considerations that you've needed to deal with that others haven't? And how have you responded to that? I remember, you know, when you first appear at these vacation schemes and networking events, sometimes it's really hard not to not notice that maybe you might be the only black person in the room and you might have to do something that's called code switch switching, which is where maybe you might change your accent a little bit or make it a bit softer. <laughs> what did you call that then? More appealing. It's called code switching. Code, code switching. switching, right. Yeah, so it's basically when you automatically kind of maybe not minimize yourself but mold yourself to your environment to appear more you know uh, as part of the group so that was one thing that you kind of become aware of so did you have to kind of reduce your manchester accent then yeah, almost. And then make sure, you know, if people found out I was from like another country that I could speak properly. But you know, no one obviously says this to your face. But, you know, in your head, you've got this idea that I have to sound posh and well-spoken and put on this voice and eloquent. <laughs> what would you say that that enterprising mindset means to you personally and how you've responded to those considerations that you've just talked about there? I always point back to a book that I resonated with. And it was uh, Grit, I think it's by Angela Duckworth. I know the book well. Um, So, you know, she's basically talking about the idea that we've got this wrong perception that talent beats. But the truth is, no matter how talented you are, if you don't put in consistent hard work and have resilience when faced with setbacks, that can only take you so far. So to me, an enterprise mindset, especially in this climate where there are many obstacles for many people, it's about thinking around the problem and saying, okay, look, this is the situation I'm in. What have I learned from my failure? What can I do to pivot? 
try better next time or do I need to rethink where I'm going? I mean, that's really interesting about pivoting. So many companies, organisations are having to do that right now. But let's just step back a little bit. So what advice would you give to a young black man or young young black woman listening to us right now considering a career in law? I think one thing that I wish I'd learned sooner is not to focus on a perceived setback or negative so with that i'm just saying you know don't focus on being a young black woman or young black man just focus on yourself as a professional and be confident and sure in the skills that you have i know that there's a saying that says you know we have to work twice as hard to be half as good you know be confident in the abilities and capabilities that you have and that will take you a long way uh, really and mentally as well Mm -hmm. and it feels like when we are in a moment right now as a country but also as organizations when we're really reflecting on what more we need to do to address inequity do you see developments taking place in the legal industry is it going fast enough would you like to see more a recent study by the sra outlined that basically only 3% of the profession currently in England is Black, which is an interesting statistic, in my opinion. And then on top of that, this hasn't really changed, I believe, since 2011 or 2017. I'll have to dig up the article, but it's it's there on the SRA website. And then on top of that, the Telegraph uh, recently did a survey of the five magic circle firms, so basically the largest uh, firms uh, in the UK, commercial firms, uh, only only eight out of 800 partners, something like that, were black. Um, and only three of, out of the five firms had any black partners at all. Wow, that's so almost like 1% really. Basically, and which is not reflective of the population Absolutely. at all. So I would say that it is becoming easy to talk about this openly, especially with recent event, events worldwide. I think people are opening up to the fact that it's not equal at all and that people are willing to have those conversations without fear on both sides whether it's um, from the minority's point of view and the ally point of view so all I would say with that is that we continue having those conversations but don't stop at conversations actually implement change and I know in the follow-up a lot of firms have actually said okay these are our targets in terms of retention for ethnic minorities and partnership so on and so forth. Because it's not just the law industry organizations sectors across the country are all thinking about what do we need to do differently to be more inclusive to address inequity i really feel that mindset's got a role to play there as well because very often people are really frightened of saying the wrong thing of doing the wrong thing i mean what what would your view be on how we use mindset to to make progress yeah i agree i would say it's about having empathy on both sides and not having an attitude of fear or thinking that someone or the other side is working against us. So an example is uh, one of my friends called me after seeing the protests and what was happening, and they'd really taken the time to kind of research, you know, the, the definitions and the history behind why people were protesting. And we're able to have an open conversation where they're able to ask me, well, wow, I've never considered this before. And why is that? And how, how did you feel? What was your view? How can I help? So I really think in terms of mindset, uh, it's more like an emotion, which I said at the beginning was having empathy from both sides. Do you feel that there are enough opportunities to um, have that conversation? 
In some ways, yes and no. And I can see why there is a fear maybe to have these conversations, especially living in an age where you might say there's a cancel culture, where if you say the wrong thing, people might call you out. But I think it's coming back to understanding the world before the digital world that we have here, where, you know, it's okay to have an open debate to question and answer each other. So I think it's more about taking it offline to have those conversations in real person, whether that's through events and meetups and actually talking through groups rather than kind of having debates online. That's my view, really. Yeah, you do get a sense, don't you, that online it's it's about taking a position rather than being able to truly engage in a conversation. Yes, <laughs> I agree. Interestingly, I'm going, to, I'm going to take you back to the Angela Duckworth uh, book, which um, I've also read, um, Grit, and it talks a lot about passion. So tell us a little bit about how passion drives you and, and your, your vocation, because it sounds like it's a passion. Tell me, tell me a little bit more about that. I think to kind of go with a tangent, really, it's more, I often get asked by students, how do I find motivation or get motivation and I always say motivation finds you doing so in terms of passion I think passion has really found me doing so the more I got involved in terms of networking in the law getting involved involved in events and talking to people within the um, field I got more and more invested and thought oh wow this is something that I can do and be invested in so whenever someone asks me you know what's my passion or how can I find it I'll just say go out and try things especially if you're a young professional you've got the whole world in front of you try out different skills try out different organizations and you'll surely find it uh, in no time and she also talks about perseverance as well doesn't she perseverance practice and, and and passion so what do you do at times when you really want to give up how do you sustain that enterprising mindset a tough thing is knowing when to give up and there's a fine line between persevering at the wrong thing. Um, and so I think that's why failing fast is a good thing <laughs> to tie into that. Because when you fail fast, you learn where your compass is, whether you're going in the right direction, whether you're doing the wrong thing. And in terms of perseverance, the more I failed, I've got confirmation that this was something that I wanted to do. So when I applied, you know, I started applying back in 2016 and only got my offer for a training contract last year in 2019 and because I just persevered because I knew that this is what I wanted to do. The way you talk about failure is, is very much a kind of this is what I need to do I'm going to learn from it I'm going to do something different and you sound very comfortable with that is that something that's happened over time your, your attitude to failure or is that something that you've um, recently happened? Yeah, I think I've had this um, over time and I tend to read a lot about Stoic philosophy. And during university, I had my dad, who was basically my cheerleader in the background. And whenever I'd call him like wallowing about an essay in a bad grade that I had, he'd kind of snap me back into reality and say, look, Lorraine, you either cry about this, but the best way to eat an elephant is one bite at a time. So <laughs> I think from an early age, it kind of instilled in me this mindset that, uh, things are only as bad as you perceive them to be sometimes, especially when it comes to career and pursuing goals. So you just have to reframe how failures look. Failure is only a failure if you let it not be a lesson. So that's how I tend to approach it. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not upset when I do fail or I get put off, but it's more ultimately the mindset over kind of that feeling. That's a great sentence that failure is only failure if it's not a lesson. It's just, that's, that's fantastic. 
Do you think it's possible to have an, an, an enterprising mindset in the law industry? Is there a mindset within that sector? I think so. And I think it's coming out more and more, um, especially with kind of the digital revolution. And we're seeing more and more kind of legal technology uh, get into the space. There's so much room for lawyers to be creative in how they do work, especially um, there's an argument about uh, more for less, delivering more. Uh, for less for clients you know that's another way that lawyers can put in their creativity beyond just providing legal services for example it's maybe having a creative approach to your application so for example my own journey I didn't really go through a traditional route but because I didn't go through a traditional route I ended up in a not so traditional training contract in the end so there are possibilities that's that's fantastic because lots of people will say enterprising mindset, it's all about setting up and running your own business. But your example there clearly is about utilising creativity in a very different industry. Exactly, yes. And I think another way to show that is, uh, you know, for example, all the legal bloggers who are out there at the moment, whether that's on YouTube or LinkedIn or Instagram, sharing their journeys and advice through law. It's about how you creatively connect with people. And uh, I always say to my mentees that you have to remember... Uh, law is a business of people in the end. So again, you still have to be creative in how you connect with people and how you leave a good impression. So there's so much room to interpret the word enterprising, really. And that takes me to my kind of penultimate question, really. Um, what three takeaways that you've learned would, that you'd wish someone had shared with you when you were much younger? Firstly, you don't have to have it all figured out. Uh, there is no right or wrong answer. What's more important is exploring and finding out what's right for you. Don't choose a career based on the degree you study or that's because that's what you're supposed to do. Do it after having kind of reflected on what your life goals are. Where do you want to be in the next five, 10 years? And what are your values and principles? And then choose work or opportunities based on that. Because I think sometimes as young people, it's very easy to say, okay, any job will do. I just need something and then go for something where you end up stuck a few years and you don't know where you've ended up. Uh, secondly, I'd say network, network, network um, is your net worth uh, to be cheesy. But um, as a young person, the only way you'll ever learn about, let's say, a career or a certain path is if you talk to those who've gone before you and have already done it. So networking is a great way to do that. Can I just ask, um, can I just, yeah. did you say network is your net worth? Yes. Tell me a little bit more about that. So like I said, I think for me, I'm, I place a great emphasis on being able to connect with people, whether it's through their stories or the work that they do. And the reason why I say it's a net worth is because from connecting with other people, you gain knowledge, whether that knowledge uh, benefits yourself personally or others through the decisions you ultimately make. So for example, whether you then decide to go in a certain career or share that advice. So for example, the advice I've received from my mentors, I share on my blog for free. So when I say net worth, I mean, it's the knowledge that you gain from connecting with yeah. other people. That's great that I've never heard that before. Net worth, network is your net worth. And what's your third takeaway? That is a tough one, but I, I think it would connect with uh, this theme of being enterprising. I think for now more than ever for young people, it's really important to not focus on the reality that's in front of you. And by that, I mean, uh, obviously, at the moment of this recording, we're kind of still in a lockdown. It's very hard to see the wood for the trees and what the future might look like. Don't let that limit 
the possibilities of what you can think you can do with your future and what you want to do. So again, focus on building a strong mindset and seeing around problems and obstacles. You just ooze inspiration and you your energy is, is, is just fantastic. So tell us what's next for you. Well, thank you, Sharon. Um, I think right now my focus before I start my LPC, which is I have to go back to school in January, is I'm really focusing on creating more content while I still have time to help aspiring solicitors to put their best foot forward uh, in applications because, of course, the training contract applications around are open again. So I'm just sharing all my advice about what I learned, how I failed, how I got back from failure and got to this point. And that's my focus in the short term at the moment. And of course, in the long term, I hope to qualify Clifford Chance uh, over the next three years. That's fantastic. And if people want to find out more about how to put their best foot forward, where do we where do we go to look for that? So, of course, there's a lifeofalondonlawstudent.com, which is still the blog that I have. And then I also run an Instagram page uh, with my name, uh, Lorraine Chimka. It was previously called London Law Student, but I went through a bit of a personal rebrand. And there I also have a newsletter where I just kind of write about what I've learned from Stoic philosophy and what I've learned throughout the week and the books that I'm reading. And I share my advice on how to apply that um, in a resilient way uh, in your everyday life. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. It's been great. Uh, Lorraine, wish you all the very best with your career, which I absolutely think will go from strength to strength. But um, first of all, good luck with your, with your training contract. Thank you, Sharon. And thank you so much for having me on today. Thank you, Lorraine. Enterprising Mindset Podcast is part of a series from Young Enterprise. To listen to more, please subscribe to us in your usual podcasting services. Thank you for listening.